This is a crusade. This is a holy war against the deep state. Where are the dictators? Where are the strong men? Donald Trump is our instrument for retribution. I'm going to fight for Christians. I'm going to fight for white people. They have the Great Reset. We have the Great Awakening. And why shouldn't I root for Russia? Because Which I am. I want to see these people go through misery because of their grooming against our children. After the assailant entered the home asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those are the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol. I did nothing wrong. Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space around us. I'm Griff Somke. Jay McKenzie is on a break this week. With me today is Carl Folk from the Institute of Unreality. The information environment is extremely challenging right now, as the current Israel-Palestine crisis has made it increasingly difficult to sort out what's real and what isn't. We take a look at some of what's out there and point to a few narratives being circulated that you absolutely want to avoid. Stick around. Carl, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Seems we are seeing an awful lot of weaponized unreality playing out in the Israel-Palestine conflict. Uh, yeah. I think this might be the really big wave that kind of I have worried was coming. Mm -hmm. And it took, obviously, the absolute travesty of what's going on to really get the ball rolling. Because this is something where every side can be manipulated really effectively. Mm-hmm. And they all are right now. I mean, you've got these incredibly tragic events. You've got this, this horrible, horrible atrocity that Hamas committed. And then you've got these horrible atrocities that are being committed by the IDF. And everybody's got an angle to work their particular version of this propaganda in right now. Absolutely. It's high emotion, high complexity, high novelty equals the playground for weaponized unreality and really messing with people's ability to understand what's in front of them. Absolutely it is. And we're seeing this like on all sides of the conflict. We're seeing state actors passing off one thing and another that turns out later on upon scrutiny not to be true. We're seeing Hamas passing off things that turned out not to be what they said it was. Yep. All sides are doing this. And, you know, one of the most cynical examples I've seen of this concept is people taking repurposed footage from Syria in 2012 and passing it off as IDF atrocities. And the really awful part of all of this is that the people who are doing this right now are the same people who denied that in 2012 these atrocities were occurring in Syria. People like Max Blumenthal. So now it's an atrocity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, it's the same thing. Like now we're starting to see some of the same like Pallywood conspiracy stuff starting to show up that they started, right? right? Like that some of these groups literally created in an effort to undercut the white helmets and different things that we're really pointing out, you know, Assad's using chemical weapons on us. Uh huh. And that part, that cynical, truly just cynical to the core yeah. response, I think is the part that for me, really denotes this as something different, right? Like propaganda is ruthless. Mm -hmm. Misinformation, ruthless. All of that can be true, but like that cynical, we know we're lying to you mm -hmm. and we're going to do it as forcefully as we can because the only goal we have is to muddy the waters. Yeah. That's one of the most upsetting parts of the information war that we're seeing, right? 
there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. It really is. And it's just like, I mean, we've gone from like Assad did nothing wrong to see, look, this is a horrible video of Assad doing nothing wrong to these poor people that has now been repurposed and saying, well, no, it's actually the IDF doing this to the Palestinians. And it's like, you have no soul. If this is something you can do. It's just this, we want to do it because we can. Mm-hmm. That's a true show of like dominance, right? When I think about dominance and power, right. that is someone trying to assert a very scary kind of power because it has no goal beyond what's right in front of it. Yeah. And that kind of vapid, hollow, lying for lying's sake because you can, like that's, <laughs> that's, yeah. How do you deal with that, right? Like we're seeing a state level problem with manufacturing propaganda, mm-hmm. but this is a wholly different thing because this doesn't have a goal. No, this is just to do something. And you're right. It's terrifying but, that the idea that like, this is almost like, you know, you want to say art for art's sake on this one, that they're just out there doing the, look what we can do to your heads. Look what we can convince you of. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think, this the part for me that both when I've been writing the stuff I've written and when I've talked with y'all and others, like some of this has no real purpose beyond look and see what we can do. Right. And that is a position that like we don't talk about much because the far right does it, but in a very different way. And that kind of inability to care about what you see and what you do says something so dark about the goal Mm -hmm. that like, I think it should start to kind of highlight that this isn't a traditional environment in the sense that like these people aren't trying to push you toward. No, they're, they're trying to push you away from understanding what is. Well, and this is where we get into the whole, like, we're going to destroy your belief in any kind of consensus reality. And it seems like they're trying to force you into a binary choice of one side good, the other side bad, and they don't particularly care on some level what side you pick. They want to see the conflict rise. Yes. Yes. It's all about amplification, right? Mm-hmm. At that point, it's not. It, it's kind of a a distilled form of exactly what modern propaganda is, which is not a political point. It's trying to push you towards necessarily. It's, it's pushing you towards not knowing what is, what is right. it, who is, who isn't the reality of the world around you. And that consensus reality is really important for a lot of reasons, not just for our like political system, but like just general social stuff. And I think for me, that's been the scariest part is just knowing the erosion that this is doing to the personal level understanding of what is the ground where does the ground sit that we're standing on to have a conversation Mm -hmm. but what that does as it ripples out is incredibly dangerous to having a society that works right it almost seems like we've gotten farther away from that in the last month since all this started than we had in the previous couple of years. And it's not like the previous couple of years were great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I would actually, I would actually fully agree with that. I think this is supercharged. Yeah. Some of the stuff that's been left in the wake of the last six years. Mm-hmm. And it's exacerbating some of the stuff that like we as a society are dealing with, but also it's exacerbating 
some really basic, truly just social psychological cue points right. that we kind of generally run with to make sense of ourselves and, and, and the people we're dealing with and the, and the concepts we're dealing with. And removing complexity is one thing, but substituting simple answers or no answers that look like answers right. in the place of a complex response to an incredibly, probably one of the most complex geopolitical situations mm-hmm. we've, we've experienced in a long time. That's that's the part where it starts to magnify itself in real time, much in the same way that I think 2015 and 2016 did, where yeah. it wasn't just the, the nonstop fire hose. It's what happens when that fire hose builds on it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not getting lower. The pressure is not getting lower. And yeah. we had a baseline for the Middle East is fucked up. It's like every generation has its own sort of reckoning with the idea that there are huge, huge structural problems with the way this all works. And this is ours. This has been going on, you know, a lot longer than any of us have been alive. I mean, go, go talk to the Ottomans about this. If you really want to probably get back to the roots. Literally though, this is, this is a centuries long. Uh huh. I mean, America didn't do this. This has been an issue long before. Have we exacerbated it in a lot of ways? Sure. But I mean, this didn't start with us. And we now are at this point where we are constantly being fed from both sides, a steady diet of narrative. And you can't get away from this at all. No. Well, and what we're seeing too, I think in the midst of all this other stuff is the inability for narratives at the state level to coalesce into something that actually functions for more than like, let's say six days, seven days. right? Right. And that's been one of the most interesting things I've ever seen is the two largest propaganda states on the planet can't get a coherent narrative or propaganda narrative to stick. And I think that that says something about the digital environment, but I think it says something too, like America has grown in a very specific way since 2001, let's use them as as an example. And both of those, you know, this digital, this different digital world we live in, plus that, if no narrative can stick, then the bullshit sticks. Yeah. And if the bullshit narrative from the highest places in government can't stick, other things are going to fill that hole. (laughs) And that doesn't mean we should allow the governments to propagandize us, but it does mean that like, there's going to have to be a fundamental conversation about how and why mm-hmm. those things don't function. But these other things like Blumenthal's cynical shit or Hinkle mm-hmm. or, the, or the, the Nazis that are trying to infiltrate yeah, yeah. both sides of this to push them against each other. We've seriously got trash people like Jackson Hinkle fuck does this kid know about anything and he is behaving i'm going to be very like couched in how i say this but he is behaving like one would expect a useful idiot to behave yes he's acting like someone who's on the payroll yeah well and i think you know as someone who's watched hinkle and some of these other kind of uh let's say red brown adjacent Mm -hmm. and adherent fellas like him like Infrahaz. Yep. You know, the crew pushing, what was it? MAGA socialism or communism. Oh yeah, that's communism. Jackson. MAGA communism. That's, ja- that's, that's Jackson, Jackson too. But like all of these guys kind of are in the same boat. And like, these are all, I mean, Hinkle's a Nazi, right? Like I have no problem saying that with, with a whole bunch of stuff to back that. 
And when you're dealing with someone who's essentially a, a true national socialist, right? Mm-hmm. Like literally in a way that most people don't quite comprehend. He's literally no, no, no. a national socialist. We're dealing with some, uh, some Nazis in the classic sense. And that plus this cynical, we can play whatever position we need to just to screw your brain up. Yep. Those things coming together in the way that they have, while it's not new, is really illuminating. Oh, yeah as to what the actual goal is here. And, you know, the the left in this country, and I'm throwing big air quotes around the left, Hmm. we have a very interesting issue where because there's no real structure, it's very decentralized, which is good for a lot of reasons, it allows people like that to fall into places and then start making things appear one way or the other. And with Hinkle and the Nazis that are infiltrating, I mean... (laughs) they're they're playing every game they can and every known kind of exploit let's say to get people to at least pass their stuff off maybe not even know who they are but post their stuff because it's also getting filtered through a number of very strange online news outlets and again big air quotes around news yeah but like last night i saw two different websites purporting to be news sites pushing jackson hinkle and his claims and saying that this is a standard normal position to have and the position that hinkle had in these claims was literally the nazi position Uh Uh uh-huh and that's the thing trying to muddy the waters in this way is really effective if we don't have this conversation and if people in general don't understand that people are going to lie about yes. what they are, what their goals are and who they are. And mm-hmm. you have to do a little bit more than just say, well, this person agrees with me on this. Yeah. So this. And we're seeing people like going back to a very, very old strategy. Now this week, vice reported on it. We have, People like the National Justice Party, that's Mike Pinovich, a.k.a. Yep. Mike Enoch, and Joe Jordan, a.k.a. Eric Stryker, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, God. everybody's favorite hateful midget. Just the dorks. Uh-huh. And these are the guys that were at Charlottesville. These are the guys yeah. that literally did Charlottesville, and they mm-hmm. are showing up at these anti-Israel protests, and they are pushing their particular brand of yeah, the Jews control the media. That's what we should be you know, talking about. You can't get this out here. And they're passing their points of view out at these flyers and out at these rallies. And luckily, most people have kind of figured it out and they've said, oh, well, yeah, no, sorry. There's a right. g- good faith version of this and then there isn't. Yeah, we're seeing it, right? Like, And we're seeing too, though, that, that the education that people have gotten since 2016, let's say, mm-hmm. has worked. Yeah. Right. For for a lot of organizers and a lot of people who are on the ground, they know what a good faith and bad faith argument looks like uh-huh. for the most part. And that's I think I mean, it's saving a lot of people from a lot of problems. Right. Now. Right. But that the fact that it's happening at all mm-hmm. says something very big about what's actually going on here. Right. I was talking to a fellow researcher a couple nights ago and we were both just talking about this this feels much bigger than anything since 2016 yeah yeah and it and it feels much more um catchy and sticky than it has in a long time even at the height of like 2020 things were really bad online and really bad on the uh, on the streets 
Yeah. As we all know, but it didn't feel as sticky and it didn't feel like it was um, catching in the same way that now some of this is. And does. right. And it's not the first time these guys have tried a strategy like this. Like you said, it, this goes back at least as far as George Lincoln Rockwell showing up at, you know, nation Absolutely. of Islam meetings saying we have a common enemy. You know, yep. we may not agree on much, but we agree on this. And you saw <laughs> guys like Tom Metzger do it in the 80s, trying to reach out to the Nation of Islam. Right after 9-11, you had the Aryan Nations reaching out to Al-Qaeda, trying to exactly. make common cause. So this isn't new. No. This is definitely a, anybody who is against the Jewish people is somebody that these guys want to talk to and try to make friends with. Well, this is the international far right kind of version of no enemy to the right. Mm -hmm. And that's a hell of a thing to see in person, right? Yeah. Like the, let's say, solidarity of the right wing and these Nazis is mm -hmm. something that is scary to see because they do actively try to make those inroads between groups that do not share any other goals beyond we dislike the Jews. Yeah. And we want to kill them. Right. And that's such an incredibly powerful motive that you can start to see links being made between disparate groups that then you get into really weird yeah. uh, situations where you're going to, we're going to be countering things where like, it's not just complex and nuanced. It's, well, this is true for this group, but not this group. And these two groups are together. So how do we then right. start to actually say this isn't the thing they both are? Right. And then it gives these guys cover because they can come in and say, well, we're not racist. We're just all against Jewish power. Yep. You know, they love this kind of shit. I mean, it's the same shit we see with like, well, this guy covered in neo-Nazi tattoos can't be a white supremacist because he's Latino. Yeah. Well. <laughs> that's not how this works friends no nope. like and that's the problem like it's all about muddying the situation to the point where it's cover right and that's what we're starting to see i mean even with hinkle and these guys hinkle and i have gotten into it a number of times good. online good in the past good <laughs> and hinkle like three years ago when i really was kind of on this like the red brown national bolshevik alliance thing that was starting to become very apparent you know he he would get very mad at me and call me a liberal and a conservative and all these things but like <laughs> he was still incoherent enough that you could really just like get in a bunch of really good punches mm -hmm. and not have him be able to counter it because there's so much moving that it's very hard to do now They've created an industry yep. that really allows him some shielding and is same with Blumenthal. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see how that really is truly closer to the Nazi party and some of these other tr true fascist groups, um, how they operate where it's cynical for cynical sake. Yeah. And it's alliance for goal. And that's it. Not because we like each other, but because we have one goal that we share. Mm -hmm. And those things, when they start to, to merge, it gets much harder then for anyone else outside of that to really be able to suss out which one is which, how they interact, why they're interacting, and then have the bigger conversation that has to be had. Yeah. And that's, you know, one of the spookier things to me about right now is it 
it, it is building on itself. It's growing. And it's also pushing those things to an extreme that I honestly didn't think we were going to move that fast towards this fully extreme information environment. Right. This fast. But wars do weird things. And, you know, like I said, highly complex and highly emotional stuff. Exactly. A lot of bad people that do bad, bad things. Right. And we're seeing this sort of shakeout between these people are against this because they really feel like what's happening and has happened to the Palestinians is an injustice and shouldn't be taking place. And then we're seeing these other people that are protesting against this because they hate the Jewish people. And it is in the interests of a couple different sides of this conflict because we're seeing a conflict with more than two sides here. We're seeing a conflict Uh, with multiple different actors. This is the D20 die of conflict. Yeah. The multipolar war. It's insane. Yeah. Literally though. I mean, that's the scariest part to me is this is truly the, the vision of a multipolar war. Right. And world. Seriously. You want the multipolar world? You're looking at it right now. Right now. That's what this looks like. Do you like this environment? No. Well then, Yeah, you're not going to like a multipolar world if you don't like this, Mm -hmm. because this is what that is, but it's everywhere, right? Uh Like, that's the difference, too, is, like, people don't realize, like, we are steps away from this being everywhere, not just the way we understand the Middle East, right? Like, I think that's why this bothers me outside of the terrible atrocity part, is, like, this is a non-functioning way. There's no way you can function in a multipolar world, but also the information environment, effectively. yeah. We're very close to, I think, seeing it pop off very hot in certain parts of the United States. We've already seen some skirmishes at this point. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't shock me at all to see some of this happen in Europe because we're seeing sort of the same kinds of dynamic there. And it's not going to stop once it starts. No. And and once it really, you know, if it does pop off in any of the big Western countries, right, the snowball is so big and so fast at that point we really are going to have to understand how we're going to compose ourselves because we will be drawn into bad faith arguments, bad faith, everything right. at that point at every level. And I, I really, I worry about Europe right now, just mm-hmm. seeing how Germany's going and how some of their far right groups have nested within the pro Zionist movement to hide the fact that they're actually white supremacists. And they're using that as a shield and a sword. Not great. It's been really interesting to see. And I've been looking, I keep an eye on some, some accounts and I I just keep an eye on some other things, but like a couple of the German accounts that I have watched in the last two weeks have gone from being like totally kind of just run of the mill. Well, you're, you're a milk toast European liberal, right? Right. To, oh, you're now following Chris Rufo and saying that X, Y, or Z needs to happen. Weird. The names that pop up and who they're following recently, especially, has really been um, something else. And like Blue Sky right now has been really inundated with this pro-Zionism German contingent. But then you look a little bit deeper and it's like, well, you're also sharing Pepe the Frog memes and calling Uh people friends. So which one are you? 
are you the aesthetic or are you the the person talking? And like, that's the whole issue. Right? Uh-huh. Like we're dealing with groups that understand you can just grab the left aesthetic and show up and you're going to get accepted in mm-hmm. because you look like the, the thing that everyone understands to be left quote unquote. Right. And then you're just going to go in there and start rolling as hard as you can. Yep. And one of the more bad faith takes on all of that that I've seen is you've got groups, you know, and it tends to be folks on the conservative side, especially when they're reporting about the National Justice Party showing up for those rallies came out, talking <laughs> yeah. about, well, look at all these people trying to blame all the anti-Semitism on the left on those guys. And it's like, first off, no. Everybody knows that there's certain segments of the left that have an anti-Semitism problem. And let's use left in air quotes here because, yes. again, yes. that's what we're talking about. But it's like, those people are absolutely missing the entire point of what the Nazis are up to. You know, they want to come in, find some common cause and then drag this conversation into their talking points. But you can't get there unless you've already got a core level of maybe ripe ground for that belief. Exactly. Well, and, and it's one of those things for them too. There's the secondary win of discrediting the left. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and that's the other part with all of this, like, even if they don't succeed at getting their messaging through in the way they want to, they're successfully painting the left pretty hard with some, some crazy stuff. Right. right. And like, we already have the left in air quotes again, mm-hmm. it, who, who are openly anti-Semitic, right? Like there's a huge problem with, right. Within some of these quote left circles. So, you know, you have that and then you have the actual, national justice party or hinkle or other Mm -hmm. forms of this fascist online thing showing up and really you know screwing up the ability then to have solidarity other people see the ability to have solidarity with your group or your 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 message or whatever and that might be a secondary goal and it might be a first goal you don't know but that's the problem because they're seeing how to score goals exactly they're seeing an opportunity here yeah they see a wide open window and they're like we can come in with our third position that's yeah. been kind of carefully oh, owned here and we can thread that needle. We can God, absolutely yeah. thread that needle and we're going to be bigger and much more prevalent. Look at Jackson Hinkle. Look at how much that guy's blown up in the last like month. Well, you know, I was reading something and I think they said he's now the most retweeted account on Twitter. This is insane. Like he, he has one, I, what is it? 1.9 million followers. I think that's what something it was. Something like that. Yeah. Or something. I mean, it's, 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 it's some uh, astoundingly large number. Yeah. 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 He has 1.9 million followers. Holy hell. And, and like six months ago, he, he didn't have a third of that six months ago. No, I don't think. No. Well now, he, I mean, you know, now he's like, I just looked his most recent photo that he posted it appears to be him and Putin, but it looks like a terrible photo. Oh yeah. That's the terrible Photoshop. But the, yeah. you know, the photos he posted and the videos he posted of him standing outside St. Basil's and him with his, you know, Miss Russia girlfriend, none of that's Photoshopped. Nope. That's all real. So yep. what better way to deflect? It's just bonkers. And we're seeing in real time how bad this gets. Yeah. And this is not an ending. That's the problem. This is a beginning footing stage of something we're seeing in real time how this is amplifying itself it's also warping its own messaging Mm -hmm. so it gives all this gravity to something that normally would have some because people fall for shit all the time well it's like there's a lot more here than there is yes it looks much more like this is just a 
a massive organic groundswell movement when in reality it's nothing of the kind. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better. You know, and that's the thing with guys like with Hinkle, it's like he, again, to what I said about, he's certainly acting like a guy who's on the payroll. You have to understand how that side of things plays the game. And they're not particularly concerned with trying to get you on one side or the other in this conflict. They're concerned with shitting up the environment. That's a hundred percent. I mean, the, the whole goal is just to muddy and throw things and make it as chaotic as possible and make the information environment brutal, mm -hmm. right? Like at the end of the day, they just want to make it harder to know what's real. Yeah. We had something similar in Paris come up a couple days ago. It was a Moldovan couple that got busted in Paris for going around to Jewish owned businesses and spray painting a stencil of a star of David on them. The, the blue stars of David, right? right? The blue stars of yeah. David. And when caught, they claimed that they were directed by an individual in Russia to go ahead yeah. and do this. And this is one yeah. of those things that like, you go back and you look at the KGB playbook. It's all the same. They oh, God, yeah. enjoy getting into the middle of these really horrible information situations and just fucking with it. Oh, and just turning the heat up everywhere they can, right? Like mm -hmm. the whole goal, when you look at like that exact kind of thing from Russia is, wait a second, we, we have a tiny little hole mm -hmm. in the armor of the West. So what are we going to do? Let's go ram it full of dynamite and see how big it can get. Exactly. Like they're going to walk down the halls at the hotel, trying every single door to see if they can get in. And yep. once they do, Hey, cool. Let's go ahead and start a, start a fire in here. Well, and, and that's just it. I mean, we're going to start to see, I think, I think right now, you know, I, the Russians have so little to do with so little, but also so much to do with some very specific stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is truly like Russian active measures in my mind are exactly that right. right is the chaos machine thing where uh -huh. it's turn one side against the other make the infighting more deep make the thing more and more within the country and then you can walk away uh -huh. as russia has said their goal always is is we we had nothing to do with it we have no idea what you're talking about how could it be us uh-huh and it gives them plenty more space and time to pursue the thing that they do have something to do with, which is, you know, trying to shoot the Ukrainians. Yeah, it's yeah. really brilliant in a way. And being deeply anti-Semitic because it mm -hmm. is Russia and Russia's history. Oh, Lord. If we look, you know, pretty deeply, they have a serious problem with it. Yeah. Where, where did the concept of pogroms come from anyway? <laughs> yeah. Well, who, who actually created the Protocols of the Elders of Zion? Yeah, they were called the Okarna, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think Where were they from? The that was the Tsar secret police? This goes way back. Yeah, no, this is this is something, this is the game too, mm -hmm. right? Like, and that's the problem is we have state level actors doing the same thing that shitty internet actors are doing because they work, right? Mm -hmm. and, and time and again, especially with Russia, we see high information environments and highly complex information environments. Their goal is to turn up the volume yeah. on all of it. Because then they think, and historically it's been kind of true, it, it diverts attention from them being an autocratic uh, right-wing state. Exactly. And that's something that they could definitely use at this point, especially if you're going to invade your neighbors. 
Yeah, well, and that's, you know, one of the things that I'm actually starting to get more concerned might be too strong a word, but definitely interested in what's going on is, you know, this historically is right about the same kind of international what's going on, who's doing what situation where the Russians do really crazy stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and make really bold moves, taking advantage of a totally screwed information space and political space. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that is a concern I'm starting to actually have a little bit more is, you know, which bad actor is going to exploit this at the state level right? Uh, first? Because there's a few different bad actors out there that are sort of licking their chops to do something along these lines. I mean, oh, is this where China rolls into Taiwan? Maybe. That's the one, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, is this the, the one that gets exploited to go in the Pacific? Right. The big, I think, worry that if you were, you know, at, let's say, Department of State right now, right? Yeah. If you're in a three-theater war, that's a world war. It is. And there's really no good way to spin that out of that. And I've written a little bit and talked a little bit about my fear that we're sleepwalking into something that looks a lot like a a, a three-front war in right. three theaters. Or maybe even what looks on the surface like three separate wars. Well, that's the thing. It's not going to look like one connected war at the outset. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the big concern I have, right? Is most people have no understanding of what a modern conflict looks like, let alone what a worldwide conflict would look like. And stumbling or sleepwalking into something like that is way easier than not. Yeah. Once the ball's rolling, definitely. Oh, man. And that's just it. Like, we have a bunch of balls in motion. Yeah. It's not like there aren't any balls in motion. That's the problem, right? It would be one thing if, you, you know, if, if you had one thing or two things going on. But we've, we, <laughs> we have a full set of pool balls in 10 different pool tables. Mm-hmm. All playing different games. Yeah. And you could very easily see this start to get extremely hot. In multiple fronts. I mean, we've got a carrier group in the Middle East right now. We've we've, uh, we've got a couple uh-huh. couple different things moving too. You know, I mean, the the West Coast fleets are gone mm-hmm. or in transit. Our nuclear subs are gone out pretty quietly now. Uh huh. Every bit of what we understand to be chess pieces in like the old school grand chessboard analogy. Yep are moving, right? And like when you start moving chess pieces of the scale we are right now, other people start to do the same. And that's the big concern is by accident, you start something. Well, and we're in this information environment that makes it a whole lot more likely that something might start. Yes. This whole thing is like kindling to some extent, and it's all over the place. Now, there's so many more ways this could pop off than previously mm-hmm. oh, oh oh yeah and i mean i think the information environment's where it starts if it starts right like right. it's one of those scary things where like all it's going to take is a bot network saying that like the chinese sunk a boat or that the taiwanese sunk a chinese boat or mm-hmm. anything and we're going to be in a place where people are going to be asking which one happened yeah but it, it, that's going to be after the fact right <laughs> like, right Things are too fast sometimes to really move forward without them already have happened. Exactly. 
and that's not just with Taiwan. I mean, that's across the board. Mm-hmm. You know, someone can miscalculate and they claim that we shot down an airline. Well, and to give you a real example of this, about every two months or so, Mr. Jack Posobiec has been rolling yep. out a deep fake of Biden instituting a draft. Exactly. No, and that that's the kind of shit that's going to be the real problem is yeah. guys like Posobiec, who there are very few people on this planet who <laughs> just hurt me <laughs> in the way that person does. Oh, yes. But like, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be a bad actor mm-hmm. doing something really stupid Yeah. at the end of the day, right? Like these deep fakes are not necessarily good that he's been putting out. No, no. But he's desensitizing people to the idea that he's doing it. Yep. He's absolutely playing some boy who cried wolf shit because eventually you know, you'd get numb to it. You'd learn to tune it out. Right. Like at some point, oh, well, it's just, yeah, it's, yep, yep, that looks legit and walk on by. Yeah, but what happens when you do that and it's like we're instituting a draft or there's so many awful places oh, yeah. that deep fakes can go. That one is bad. You couple that, though, with this environment. I mean, the the president of the United States was regurgitating stuff in front of everyone that turned out to be false because he had heard it online, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, and like that's where we're at is like that's yeah. how bad an internet environment we are and a virtual environment we are. People at the highest levels of government are starting to have real publicly seen problems, understanding which is which and which is not. And in this case, it's what is not, I think that is more important than what is. Right. And what is not is a harder thing to deal with. (laughs) It is. It really, really is. And it's a matter of time until somebody repeats the wrong meme almost and just goes with something along these lines. And we have... We have a huge problem on our hands as a result. Yeah. The problem with all of this, right, is these are incredibly simple tactics to get an incredibly complex problem. (laughs) Yeah. And what we've all learned uh, over the last 20 some odd years of us being in war with an idea is that those things are hard to rein back in. Yeah. Yeah. And... The war on terror. Oh, God. <laughs> you're, never, you're never reining that back in. Mm-hmm. Worked so great against drugs, why not roll it out against terror? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it worked so well against drugs uh-huh. that the drugs won. It, it, that's the thing, though. Highly complex problems require true understanding to fix. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, all appearances are. That kind of thinking is becoming less and less pervasive in the positions of power that you have to have that kind of thinking to avert disaster. Absolutely. But we're running out of it. I think so. We're running out of people who I think understand how to look at the situation and say, maybe shooting first is not necessarily the way to handle this. Maybe we need to pursue some more complex ways to deal with this. Exactly. You know, a lot of people kind of in the left and in in more progressive thinking, you know, it's diversity of tactics, right? Right. And that's how I think about this, like at, at the state level, you have to have a bunch of people who are thinking about the same problem in 30 different ways mm-hmm. for every single one of those issues. Because then you can look at things and say, okay, we can judge the merit by the different. Right. And that's a different kind of thinking than governments do now. 
for whatever reason. And I don't, you know, I don't have a good reason for that. If it's money, if it's, if it's corporate stuff, who knows, but in an increasingly complex world, you can't be simple no. and you can't look at it as a one or two answer question because sometimes questions have a hundred answers. Right. And the prevalence of people getting their answers from TikTok on these things, <laughs> like if it doesn't, yeah, I'm serious. If it doesn't fit into a two minute TikTok, it's not worth knowing. No, I know. And that's, that's one of those ones where like, some of it's amazing, right? Because I've seen some of the best work done to like counter the, the, the anti-vax stuff on TikTok. Mm -hmm. They can take an incredibly huge, complex problem and work it down to this two-minute clip Yeah, that walks you through the issue, why it's wrong, how it's wrong, and then puts you on your way. That's incredible, right? Like that's that kind of thinking that you need. We need to be hiring those people. We do. We need to be giving those people jobs. Yeah, truly. The White House wants to hire influencers. No, don't hire influencers. Hire the people who tell an incredibly complex problem in two minutes and give you every bit of information you need. Exactly. And how they got to that point. And they'll work cheaper than influencers. They might do it for free because some of them actually understand this is important. Yes. And that's the part for me, like there are a lot of people out there who want to do this the right way. Right. And are thinking about these incredibly hard problems the right way and are seeing no coverage of what they're saying outside of this tiny little space because no one is hearing them. Mm -hmm. And we should be venerating the people who can take a 2,500 word topic and break it down into 30 seconds of talking. Right. Right. And we should be equally afraid of the people who can take that 2,500 word topic and give you completely the wrong information about this in that two minute video as well. That's a, such a double-edged sword. That's exactly right. And I think there's a huge issue between the complex problem, simple answer and the complex problem, complex answer, but understanding how to explain complex topics very succinctly in a way that brings it together. So you don't have to do every step. Because right. steps lead to one another and sync together. And the people I see like debunking anti-vax stuff, they've cracked that code. Ironically, the anti-vaxxers haven't. They've just figured out how to bullshit at high enough quality and yeah. quantity to overwhelm. And there's right. a big difference between overwhelming and weaving together incredibly complex things. Mm -hmm. So someone can be like, oh, really? That's what that is? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's interesting because that's a fight. Right. Like that's the eternal fight is complex problem, simple answer, complex problem, complex answer explained simply. Exactly. And for a lot of people, they don't understand the difference. Mm -hmm. Not for any fault of their own. We don't teach this kind of thinking. No. And we haven't in quite some time, if ever. Yeah. This isn't a case of like, oh, it was better in the 80s or something. It's, it's like we've never particularly been good at explaining this kind of thing. No. And it's a, and it's a human thing, right? too. Like humans have a hard time with this stuff. That's why it's mm -hmm. so easily exploited. We don't always do well with ambiguity as a species. Right. We don't do well with certain forms of like, well, it could be this, but, but you know, we just don't do well with that. It kind of shuts off some of our brain. It does. I mean, it's why cigarette ads worked so well. It's why oil and gas got away with killing the planet's climate, right? Like, yeah. because all you have to do is, well, it could be, but Mm -hmm. It's that just asking questions thing. It gets through your intellectual and reasoning and then just starts kicking you in the, in the head, <laughs> you know, like, 
the problem is, is because we don't teach this kind of thinking, we get into a, a cycle of, well, explain it to me like I'm five. And that's great for certain things, but there are certain things that you can't be five years old and understand. You have to just understand. Right. And, you know, we, we have a weird situation in this country and always have where there's a, a certain level of distaste for those seen as smarter than you or the other. Right. And I think those two bleed into each other in a really fundamental way, specifically for us in the United States. Like the anti-intellectualism is one right. thing, but the, the, the fear of someone who can think outside the box is not new, but in this environment, it's one of the big dangers. Yeah. And we are seeing the consequences of that virtually every day when we go online and we see what's being pushed. We see the people that have figured out how to leverage that, that bias that we yeah. all have and turn it into, Hey, I'm going to get my talking points out this way. Well, I mean, it's Donald Trump, right? Mm -hmm. Like it literally is Donald Trump is, is the, well, yeah, mm -hmm. but that's the intellectual answer. Why uh, do you want to think about it? Exactly. You can just hear me speak and that's the answer you need. Mm -hmm. And it's the same reason that I think some of the anti-vax stuff worked so well right at the beginning of the pandemic was, well, they're just the elite doctors right why would we listen to them they don't know what's wrong and it helps when the elite has made mistakes and you can take those mistakes and you know leverage them into your narrative it helps like in a situation where you had like you said 2001 we decided that we were going to handle a concept with a military response and people have been pointing the finger at that ever since and saying well why would we listen to anything you have to say you got us into this mess Yep. It immediately self-neuters, right? Mm -hmm. Like it neuters the person who presents it immediately. Yeah. We run into these walls so regularly as a country and, and have for a long time. I think that's the most important thing to say. This is not some 21st century new aberration, right? No. Like this is something that you can see going back to the, the Revolutionary War, right? Like mm -hmm. there was so much stuff that, you know, I, when you read about like the conspiracy theories ahead of the actual Revolutionary War oh, yeah. breaking out, it's wild because you could literally take that and take 2016 and kind of look mm -hmm. at them and be like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. And it's an example again of where the British didn't understand the power of the story. And the message that was going on here, and that allowed us, in this case, the United States, or what would become the United States, to exploit that. Because mm -hmm. we weren't the only ones dealing with conspiracy theories. The Brits were too. The French were as well. Absolutely. And they were all passing them off to each other and us. You know, and we had Mike Rothschild on not too long ago, and he's got a mind-blowing book that he just wrote about how many of those have been traced back to the Rothschild family. Even exactly. back then. It hasn't changed. Funny enough, it always turns back to one group of people. Uh-huh. Weird. Weird, right? And it's like, you know, even, even then when you hear about the Freemasons, right, in that <laughs> period, it would turn left and it's like, well, it's also the... And exactly. It's like, okay. A, pick a lane. <laughs> B, what? Yeah. It's very interesting to see how this country's view of, of facts and 
those things start to hit into each other at points when there's mass conflict going in the, on in the world around it, not necessarily at home. Right. And, and you can see it reflected in moments throughout our history and different forms of social panics and different forms of mass hysteria, whatever we want to call it. But it, it, it's very interesting because it, it reads almost identically. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it's the same shit that Hinkle's doing now or Blumenthal, where it's, well, we can fill the void. Mm-hmm. And they do. Yeah. And we've really got to get our heads around that sooner rather than later. Yeah. And get to the point where we're not giving that particular information distortion the time of day. No. And, and it's not one of the hardest things, right? Like this is a hard thing we're talking about. Like I, I, you know, as much as I talk about it kind of flippantly, this is the equivalent of having people understanding cancer better for what right. it is as a multi-system problem versus a single cell replication issue. Absolutely. And that took us a long time to gather our thoughts and then approach it like that. And it's going to do the same here, but we are quickly, I think, approaching a tipping point with how information works mm -hmm. that we have to avoid. Yeah. Because things start to feed on themselves in a way that we have zero control over. That'll happen regardless. But once you fill this cup with enough shit and tell people it's water, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not going to the bar anymore. Right. It's all going to be useless at this point. So we really need to get ahead of this. And like you said, we're at a tipping point with it. This recent incident has shown us that we need to work on this sooner rather than later. Yeah. Well, and the corniest thing that can be said is also one of the more true is like, it's a war for your mind. <laughs> they, they are trying to get in your head, but not because they want you to believe anything. It's right. because people want you to believe nothing. And when you don't believe anything, wow, you just pick whatever feels the most comfortable at that point. Well, anything's possible. Mm -hmm. Anything. Anything being possible is not an environment any of us have ever lived in. No. And it's not an environment that any of us are really going to especially enjoy. No, 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 no. I guarantee that. <laughs> so we better figure this one out. <laughs> Can't guarantee much, but I can guarantee... If you like just having a normal day-to-day, -day, you're not going to like that. Indeed. Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can find us on the web at didnothingwrongpod.com. Please make sure you subscribe to get our content straight into your inbox. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word for, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza BJJ, G-R-Z-A-B-J-J, as well as DNW Pod. We're extremely grateful for paid subscriptions and donations that allow us to keep doing this important work. Thanks, and remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong. <laughs>